You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. We're going to sing a lot throughout this morning as we listen to the scripture and tell stories. Come on in, friends. Wait, there's, there's room up here. We can squeeze chairs, too. We want to read the resurrection account this morning from John's gospel because he, he tells the whole story. He starts in the darkness at the tomb with all of the grief and confusion and un- unanswered questions that, that Jesus' loved ones are bringing, uh, often like we are bringing. The women are coming to the tomb with all of their crushed hopes this morning. And maybe you feel some of that too. And so we want to read, we want to read Jesus' story because I think we can see our, thank you, Chuck. We can see our story in Jesus' story. That's, that's the whole point. That is why God became human, to mirror, to mirror our experience. And so John's account shows this whole movement from confusion and loss to restoration and blessing. And I think this, that's where we're headed to, to that restoration and blessing. And we can see it on our journeys even now, like Sahili and Bibi and Mabel and Pedro are going to share with their stories this morning. Even if you feel stuck in confusion and grief. This morning, you're not alone. God sees you and wants to meet you there, just like he met Mary in the garden in her grief. But know that your story won't end there. It will move into the restoration and blessing of of this account that we're going to read in John because of Jesus and his victory over death. Your story, you're part of this transformation movement too. You're evolving. Your story is changing. And Jesus, I think, is leading us all into a more spacious place because of his courage to face and embrace it all on the way to transformation. So Meg is going to come and help us read the the whole chapter of John 20 together so that we can get it directly from Jesus here this morning. Good morning. Avi Avi just said to me, Mommy, it's the best day yet. And I thought, yes, it is the best day yet. (laughs) So he is risen. He is risen indeed. So I'm going to need everyone's help, specifically about 13 or 14 people's help. I'm not going to read this whole story to you. So... um, there, there are slides with pictures. You can meditate on those pictures. If you're not into reading, you can kind of close your eyes and just absorb the story. But I am hoping that there's a dozen or so of you who would help me read. I'm going to circulate throughout the room because we do have some friends on Zoom, right, Ashley? So we want to make sure that they hear the scripture as well and we'll, we'll um, pass the mic around. Keep it at a you know, uh, nice distance from your mouth. Don't, don't eat it. Uh, since we'll be passing it around. Um, and that's how we will digest the, the story um, and the account of the morning of Easter, Resurrection Sunday in John 20. I'll start. 
Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Just put a hand in the air if you're willing to read. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Aramaic. Rabboni, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord.
Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, revive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone else's, anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If, we, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Thank you for that communal effort to read that scripture. We're going to continue to worship, I believe. Oh, Rachel's going to come up first. And I think the kiddos can go up now with Jeff and Gabby. Thank you, Meg, and every, everyone. I was filled with gratitude to hear so many of our voices saying the scripture, telling the story of Jesus, which is our story too, each of ours. And so, yeah, you guys can, you guys can start jamming. We're going to get deeper into the story as we ponder, as we ponder what we just read. We start with confusion and loss with the women at the tomb, with the disciples who think that Jesus is gone forever. They've just, they've just been through the worst trauma of their lives. If you were able to engage in Holy Week at all, the, the story is really pretty difficult, the, the crucifixion. And so they're feeling all of this unexpected grief. I think they're in shock. Even, on, even as Easter morning starts out, they can't even really process all the loss that they feel. They didn't expect things to end like this. And so to work through her grief, Mary goes to the tomb with spices to anoint Jesus' body. Did you ever do something to feel like you just had to do something to kind of work through your grief? Mary was, Mary was doing that. 
Um, she thought if she could just, if she could touch Jesus's body, even though he was dead, if, he, if, if she could honor him that way, it would help her process. But when she gets there, the tomb is empty. And I think that that compounds her loss. She can't even, she can't connect now at all. And so she runs to get the disciples. They don't know what to make of this. One believes that he might be alive, but the, but the others, not so much. Everybody's carrying a lot of sadness and confusion. And this song gives voice to the questions that I think they, the disciples might have been feeling in this moment. These are the questions that make it hard to believe that anything, that anything could really end um, well. The questions that make it hard to believe that anything but the worst is ultimately gonna happen. That ideas that are too good to be true are just not true especially when we, when we have seen and experienced the worst already. I think that they might have been feeling some of that. Like it didn't make sense to hope. It was too painful. They had to be, be reasonable and try to protect their hearts. Let's sing our questions with them in the song. I asked Sahili to come and speak to the confusion to, to the difficulty of having faith at all in the midst of a world that is full of so much pain, especially in these hard times when injustice and greed seem to win and often the church and religion don't seem to offer anything but more problems. <laughs> and so how do we stay with Jesus? How do we stay with Jesus like he stays with us? Thank you, Rachel. All right, I'm going to try to get through this without speaking too fast or crying. In this story, the disciples are fresh in their grief, bereft after losing Jesus in whom they have trusted, for whom they had left their families, their jobs, and their safety. They arrive at the tomb, and he is no longer there. It adds insult to their injury. We know the ending of the story, but they don't. They see the linen clothes. <laughs> Sorry lying there and they can't make sense of the story or, or know how it ends, not yet. I was asked to talk about this moment as an example of the moments of confusion we face in our walks with Jesus. And when I think about when I have felt like the disciples are like Mary in this story, I have to admit it feels like most of my Christian faith. <laughs> um, it feels like my, my faith peaked at 17 actually. Um, I had a moment, a come to moment Jesus when I was 14 and it changed my life and that is a story for a different time. But what I want to share today is how much the rest of my walk with Christ has often felt like that Saturday of waiting or like that Sunday morning. Like that early Sunday morning of staring at the empty tomb, of having lots of questions and few answers. And to be honest, that's probably why I have been somewhat at the periphery of this community since first visiting Circle of Hope in the fall of 2019. But I am thankful for so many of you who have continued to show me love and keep open doors to your homes and your cell phones <laughs> for me. 
I work as a neurologist where I have the holy privilege of walking with people as their brains get sick from all sorts of ailments that I often have a hard time naming or having a treatment for. They ask me questions for which I sometimes do not have answers for, like what do I have or is there a cure for this or will I get better or will my loved one get worse? And while I have studied and studied to have the best answers, these often fall short. And this constant facing of the human nature, of the frail reality of our mortal lives, it confronts me. And I often wonder, where is God in all of this? Where is God in the world's suffering? How can God be love when gun violence is killing our kids? When, where is the promised kingdom of God where, when the sin of racism has infiltrated everywhere I look, including my own self? And where is God when other Christians in other parts of the U.S. seem to live a faith that is so vastly different from the understanding of that same Bible we are all reading? Where is God when the world is getting hotter and hotter and my beautiful native Puerto Rico's economy is collapsing under the evils of colonialism? I can't come up with honest answers that are not some simplistic platitude. But then a small voice reminds me that at least in my own lived experience, a lived experience that cannot possibly speak for anyone else's lived experience, God has been there. In my life, God has been there. I examine this from different angles and I cannot deny it. God was there when I moved away from Puerto Rico to Houston and back to Puerto Rico and through Hurricane Maria and then when we moved to Philly and every time I have started over. God has been so present in my marriage to my wonderful husband, Francisco, who does not share this faith at the surface level, but whose constant love is a palpable demonstration of faithfulness and care and warmth. God is there when I go to work and when I bike home and when I keep pondering questions. God is often there when I look into my patients' eyes and listen to their stories. And lastly, God was especially there when my mother died unexpectedly seven years ago. When we sang together while she was sick and in the prayers of our family's pastor whose compassionate words brought so much comfort and in my best friend's meals, uh, deliveries and in my aunt's singing of coritos around my mom's bed, this last way in which God has been so tangible to me, it brings me to my knees and I can't deny it and it makes me say, all right, God, you win this one. And sure, I'm a Christian because I happen to be born in the 80s in my specific context with my specific family. And I can't say that I have any answers to any of the big questions of faith that I still carry, except that every time I have been distant or wishy-washy or walked away, God's love keeps and keeps and keeps showing me the way back home. On Wednesday night, God used Sony to speak a word to me that I have continued to meditate on all week. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh and how he begs God to remove it from him. Kind of like how I have asked God to answer questions and to give me faith. But God reminded me, my grace is enough. The rest of the verse says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I will continue to give thanks for this little ceiling of faith that I have received that is by no means of my own doing, but it's God's gift. And I will continue to put the effort of my little corner of the work to bring God's kingdom to earth. On Wednesday, we had the chance to collaborate together on an art piece, which I will try to show you while holding the phone. We'll see. Okay, like this. Thanks, Claire. Thank you, Claire. All right. Um, thank you. It's a little abstract, but hopefully you can see it represents the anointing at Bethany and how the woman anoints Jesus' feet with oil or perfume. Like, this is her face, and Jesus' feet is, like, somewhere in there. And this is all of, like, her hair that we filled in. Um, so you can t take a look at it later more closely if you like. Um, 
we talked together on Wednesday about how all of us are like that woman bringing our best offering to Jesus. My offering sometimes feels too small or broken because of my doubts and my own confusion. But the Luke version of the story quotes Jesus saying that those who have been give, forgiven a lot also love a lot. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, I hope to continue trying to love and follow Jesus as best as I can as I ponder, despite my questions and my doubts on his sacrifice of love, the power of his resurrection, how faithful God has been, how much he reminds me often through the love of this community right here, how I am loved and how much I have been forgiven. Thank you. Thank you, Sahili. She's on call right now this morning, so we didn't know if she was going to be able to speak that on her own or have somebody else read it for her. Thank you. Sahili teaches us to talk to God. That's what this song is about. Let's sing it together. Jesus finds Mary in the garden. He asks her. He asks her why she is crying. And, and I love that because, of course, Jesus knows. But it means something to name her grief. The naming, Mary's naming of her own grief matters. It matters because it shows the depth of her love and loss which seems to define her completely now. And so I asked my sister, Rebecca, to describe what it's like to feel overwhelmed by grief and if there's a possibility of Jesus meeting there, meeting us there like he did with Mary. Thanks, Rachel, for giving me the task of talking about grief and loss and sadness. Uh, <laughs> right? I saw her text message when I was at the gym and I was like, why would she do this to me on Easter Sunday? Like, are you kidding me? Um, and then I thought about why it upset me so much and I think it's because I feel like I'm still going through it, you know, that I'm not on the other side of it if there is another side to sadness and grief and loss. So um, I'll try to make it short. <laughs> Obviously there's a lot I'm sure everybody could talk about regarding this subject, but... Um, my marriage started falling apart a couple of years ago, and um, so I tried doing what I had typically done to deal with sadness and pain, and tried numbing it, um, and was also like, oh, I can just find another guy, right? So I'm filing for divorce. There has to be somebody else out there, and um, that relationship fell apart as well, so, and, you know, the alcohol, the other things I was doing just didn't, um, they didn't bring, they didn't bring me what I needed. And um, looking back on it now, I think what I was doing was I was putting my feelings in a separate box. I was displacing myself from them. And I wasn't allowing myself to feel the sadness and the grief and the pain and to just sit with it. And um, so I started coming to Circle of Hope. <laughs> So this was a little over a year ago, Rachel texted me and said, why don't you start coming to Circle of Hope? And at that point, my life was a mess. So I was like, sure, why not? I can't get any worse. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> thank you, Ashley. Um, so 
So, and it, it was hard, but it was super helpful being here in this space with everyone and feeling Jesus's presence in a different way than I'd ever felt it before. So, um, and then I joined a cell. I joined Jimmy's cell and Liz and um, met Liz for the first time in cell. And that was an awesome experience too. Had a meltdown my first day of cell. So that was fun as well. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, and so between, you know, coming to church, going to cell, it still was hard. And I think this is why it's hard to talk about because it's still hard and I still have to sit in sadness and pain a lot. And um, also started going to therapy. So hadn't done that in 40 years. Uh, so that was a different experience as well. And that's where, um, you know, it came out that um, I was, I hadn't grieved properly, if there's a proper way to grieve, or I hadn't grieved at all. And I had just been setting aside my pain and my grief for a lot of years. So, um, you know, it came out because I had placed a child for adoption when I was 19. And so, and I just put all of my feelings and my grief into a separate box and left it there and didn't want to deal with it. And it was too overwhelming and too painful to deal with at the time. But um, with my marriage falling apart too, on top of everything else, I had to finally face my um, grief and my sadness. And so um, I've started doing that through this wonderful group of people and through Jimmy Cell and Liz and, and Jimmy checking in on me. And I just finally started sitting with the pain and, um, and I'm proud of myself for that. It's really hard to do. So it sucks. <laughs> it's really horrible. And I, tell, <laughs> and I tell my therapist, why can't I just put those feelings and that sadness and that grief back in that box? And you just can't, you know, once you start exploring pain, um, there's no going back. So the good news is, <laughs> um, in October of this past year, my son reached out to me. So 22 years later, he'll be 23 this year, he um, contacted me and asked if we could talk. And we spoke and um, for like an hour, like it was a long lost friend. And because I was doing the hard work at this point, I was able to talk to him in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able to speak to him, you know, had he contacted me when he was 18 or something. Um, so I was able to verbalize how I felt and the regret that I felt. And, um, you know, I was able to talk to him about how my biggest fear was that he would feel abandoned. And he told me he didn't feel that way, you know, that he was grateful that I gave him life. So, and I don't think he was just saying that to make me feel better, um, I think, I think he truly was grateful even that I wanted to, he didn't realize I had thought about him every day for 23 years. Um, so that was a cool experience. So I do have to say the moments of peace I feel um, and the moments of Jesus's presence I feel have made it worth it in a small way, you know, even though it's still hard at times. But um, I'm just super grateful for being here and for this space and the love and the support from everyone here. Thank you. 
she's amazing. This song, this next song is about coming home. Coming home to our place with God, our, your rightful place with God. Um, Jesus makes that really clear, I think, especially today. Well, all week with his arms wide open, especially today in rising, that we have a place with him. Let's sing. I think that many of us begin to find wholeness when we can sense that God is calling to us personally. Like he said, Mary's name. And that's when she knew that it was Jesus. Or when he came through the locked doors, like in this story with the disciples at the end. I think our doors, as Bibi said it so eloquently, our doors are often barricaded too, to the very thing that we need, the peace of Christ, the inspiration of the Spirit, the space to just be. And I love how in this moment, Jesus doesn't wait for, for permission to get through those locked doors. He doesn't wait for permission to get through the wall. He brings the gift of himself and he breathes into his friends with forgiveness and power. And so Mabel's gonna speak to us about glimpsing that kind of restoration from Jesus in her life and working with it this past year. So, um, unlike Rebecca, when Rachel first asked me to talk to the church, I gladly accepted. <laughs> but, like a few days later, I started to have doubts. <laughs> and I was talking to my therapist, and I told her, I was like, I don't know if I'm like equipped to speak about restoration. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. I almost texted Rachel. Um, and my therapist was like, why? Like, why aren't you equipped to speak about restoration? And so I, I told her, I said, I feel so spiritually strong after like this season of Lent, but I feel so weak. Like, I feel so strong, but I feel so fragile. And my therapist smiled at me. I was like, girl, what? <laughs> but that's the cool thing about my therapist. Like, she, um, she knows scripture. So she said, Paul said that to the Corinthians. Like, he said that. He said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, and I was so amazed. And... And it's, it's an undeniable paradox. How can you be weak and strong? But the more I thought about it, it made sense. Um, I thought about our, like how we deal with life's challenges and like, for me, like life's challenges as I thought about this are like a complex soil. Um, and like God is like this ever constant gardener. And the restoration is the sprouts that we are. So like God is this attentive gardener um, and, and the complexity of our challenges can, can yield these small like buds and God admires like every stage of our growth. Because I was thinking about um, restoration as like, like 
resurrection itself. But like resurrection is like the full realization of restoration. But what restoration is, it's like this gradual bloom. So like basically like our pain and suffering, it, it creates space for restoration to happen. I'm thinking about like in the fall when the leaves turn our pain and everything we go through, it, it's like the movement that helps shake off those leaves so that the tree can be empty. And then what happens is we go through this like awkward, uncertain dance with like what God is doing and like can do in our lives. And the movement of that awkward dance with God is what creates those like really small green buds that like fully bloom into resurrection over time um and i was thinking about like my personal experiences over the last couple years um when i first joined a cell i was completely broken um this was like in 2017 i had gone through some really difficult personal relationships and experienced betrayal from like a lot of my really close friends um but i started going to cell at Josh and Emma's house, and Rachel was in that cell, and my friend Claire was in that cell, and my friend Alex is in that cell, and I was completely broken. I like did not want to relate to other human beings, but like God was calling me to, but I, I didn't feel like it. Um, and over time, I started to form these like, these, these relationships that were filled with so much love that like still sustain me to this day. Like um, I was thinking specifically about this verse when God says, so as Sahili explained earlier, Paul has a thorn in his side and he pleads with God three times. He says, take this thorn from my side. And God says, no, I won't take the thorn from your side. He said, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And when, when you read that, you're just like, what? But like, I don't think what God is saying, like God doesn't delight in our pain. He doesn't do that. But what, what is true is that God reveals the powerful light of his love through our pain. And so if God removed that thorn from Paul's side, Paul would miss that. You know, like if we're really strong, we have no need whatsoever to lean on God. Like I was a perfectionist. I had really good friends. My life was like a really good life. And then things fell apart and I had to be weak. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, I don't like being weak. Like. But like, but like, but like, but I, I, I started to kind of soften um, with God's love. And I, and I show that flower to say that, like, you know, that flower is so fragile and it's growing through like hostile, it's growing through concrete, but it still blooms. Again, it's not this perfect garden of like roses and lilies but it's still really beautiful and so I think what I'm trying to say is that 
I think sometimes we think that um, our strength um, is like, is a picture of, of what life should be. Um, but it's in our weakness and fragility that God still does amazing things. He does beautiful things. And I, I just wanted to invite everyone to kind of the mystery of how God works that because it, it doesn't always look or feel good. It can feel like you're weak, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like when we're in these states that God can restore us. It, it, it's in our vulnerability that the, the resurrection of Christ is realized. I also came to circle like one of the darkest times of my life. I feel like there's this theme that not everyone, but a lot of us show up here when we're like going through stuff. And uh, it's just really cool that we can share that together as we figure out life together. So thanks for sharing that. I love that the picture that Meg had up earlier. Um, I never saw that one before where Thomas is actually putting his fingers through the wound in Jesus's hand. Because I think it's just so amazing that it's through his wounds that Jesus is recognized by his disciples. Like that's how they know his, who he is. The wounds become the blessing. And like Mabel was saying, I don't think any of us naturally like our wounds that much. We really don't want to, I know I still often avoid mine, but Jesus reveals his as the mark of his identity. And he invites his friends to touch him there, to be with him there. Pedro's gonna share about his journey of discovering the blessings in his life about how he has come to know that God is with him and in him through it all. Shalom. For many years, I, uh, I tried not to open this book. So much tears on it, but happiness too. Mm, can I pray in Spanish real fast? Yeah. I love to do this. Padre Nuestro, que estás en los cielos, Santificado sea tu nombre. Vénganos tu reino, así como en el cielo, también sobre la tierra. Danos hoy el pan de cada día y no nos dejes caer en tentación. Líbranos de todo mal. En nombre de Cristo. Amén. Um, um, story is long, but I'm going to make it short. My biggest loss is when I left home, um, especially my grandma my pets, my brothers, and a few girlfriends. So, <clears throat> it's painful. So anyhow, so sacrifice or sacrificing, it uh, can be a, a gift, but it's obviously through, through, the, through that pain, it's not easy to see it and to become, I, I, like I switch it. I, I, 
soon as I left home, it's like, this is an adventure. I had to dream on something. So my dream was having a super big market, like a, a, a big uh, Walmart and a super Mercedes. So that was my, my target. <laughs> so <clears throat> with that illusion, I, um, I came to the United States. Uh, and the reality was really different. You know, the payment it was so it was so so little for a dishwasher. So for five hundred dollars, I had to split it this money for my living and send it to to my mother to support my brothers at the time they were kids. So it was it was tough. And then obviously the language was really I want to have friends, create a, a family, but it was really difficult. You know, even in Spanish, even in Spanish, it took me time to, like, like read it and write it again, because I just took the basic uh, education in, in Mexico, and for many reasons also too. Mexico was bad, it was bad, it was bad at that time. Um, that's for many people say why so many poblanos or, or people from Puebla, because most of us we are indigenous, and it was no chance for us to have a job or um, we have to leave for these companies uh, make money on us for the cheap labor. So anyhow, keep moving. So uh, yeah, for years I had to choose. So if I had to educate myself or keep supporting my family, which was my grandma, brothers, and mother. And um, I hold it myself, uh, but I, f I fell in. Through the years, it was like, okay, this is very bad. I should go back home. But I uh, was on a lot of money. But in, in the meantime, something happened to me. I fell in love. I fell in love um, to, to Philadelphia. <laughs> I eat cheesesteaks. I like cheesesteaks. <laughs> eagles too. Don't panic. I like eagles too. So... <clears throat> So, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's so much to say, but I'm just gonna be short. Uh, uh, obviously, by progressing, I really like work, uh, like all of you guys. Um, it came better. My, my situation started getting better. My English was a little bit more better, so I can communicate with people and things like that. So, um, but I was feeling empty. Something was not not right. It was something was like I need something, you know. That super Mercedes, never mind. That uh, that market, never mind. Something else. And that's when I found uh, I was start looking for a spiritual life and work on it. And then it's when I meet you guys. I found you eight years ago. Now I feel much. I feel completely different. Now mom called me and she said, "Come home. You have what you were dreaming." Like. No, I have something to do here. I really want to keep going in this adventure. So today I really like to, like, blessings. So that gift, that sacrifice at the time, now is a gift. You know, I have friends, every, like Jimmy, I have, Jimmy, you follow me all the time. I don't know why we follow <laughs> um, the, the Snyder family, we, we lost across the street. Uh, Jen, now she, Jen, she's making me fun. 
And finally said, now you're talking too much. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. Uh, uh, so it become a gift, and I really like to pray with people. Uh, when I see people, like I see them and struggling, I tell them, uh, God bless you. God, God bless you guys. I'm really happy to see you today here and keep the faith. Uh, years ago, I, I understood that praying by yourself is good, but praying with the community is completely other feeling. So that's the reason I started. Okay, I'm going to do my best to support and work with this community as much as I can. I will stop here. <laughs> we are tired. Thank you. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You can be seated for a, another minute or two. Meg's going to come and um, help pass out these cross cookies up here. <laughs> and as you get one, um, just hang on to it. Don't, re don't eat it right away. <laughs> we want to, even though they're good. Um, by the way, they, ha they do have dairy. They're an Italian ricotta cookie, so they have dairy in them. Um, be warned. But we want to break the cross together. We're going to eat the cross together like our, like our communion this morning. This is our coming to the Lord's table. We want to break it and enjoy the sweetness of that victory, of Jesus' victory over death. That is ours to take in. It's ours to keep eating. That victory over all that holds, it, holds us down. Jesus' sacrifice and our sacrifices for love, like Pedro was talking about. Our sacrifices for love reveal a sweetness in us that I think is the true heart of who we are as human beings. Jesus breaking the power of sin and death means that our hearts and our lives can also break open to one another. Like as, as we're doing right now, our hearts and our lives can break open to each other and to love in new ways this year. That's my prayer. That we could keep doing that. And so once we all get one, Let's announce to one another, the power of sin and death has been broken through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the work of the spirit of Jesus in each of his followers. Jesus has seen our grief and borne our sorrows and turns it into forgiveness and grace. Love has won over all of the cruelty and the violence and despair. And he sends us out into the world to extend his mercy and forgiveness to all and to keep borrowing from his endless supply as we need it. Because we'll, we'll, we'll feel our weakness again and again, like Mabel was saying, and we'll need to keep coming back. Suffering lasts for the night. But joy comes in the morning. We are risen in Jesus. We are risen, risen indeed. indeed. So eat that cookie now. Break the cross. <laughs>
eat it and enjoy the sweetness of eternal life. Our little taste of it now. Did you? Someone, a friend texted me this week and, and showed me that when, when I never realized this in the scripture, that when Jesus rose from the, from the grave, other people around there in the city of Jerusalem, at least where they recorded the story, came out of their tombs. Other dead people were raised too. They came out of their tombs and they began to minister to people around the city. Jesus calls us out of our tombs as well this morning. And so, as we sing our last two songs, as a sign of your, your coming out of your tomb, I invite you to come up and um, take a flower out of one of the vases or uh, on the floor and stick it in the cross if you want to as a sign of the beautiful work that God is doing in you. Take a flower as we sing and put it on the cross. Crown him the Lord of love who triumphs for the grave. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.